Hi, everyone. It's Michelle from Studio City Now. And today my guest is Amani Khalid. Hi, Amani. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I read your bio. Um, tell me a little bit about the story, There Was Violence. So There Was Violence is, in, actual, in all actuality, based on my life, my upbringing as a kid, raised in South Central LA from the 1970s through the late 1980s. And what it's really capturing is what I would describe as a minefield of violence that was occurring both in our household and in the streets of South Central LA. And, you know, the motivation for writing the book, well, initially, I, I never intended on writing this book, let alone being an author. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, the, the genesis of this is uh, there was a close call. Um, I was in Marina Del Rey one weekend and I had a moment where I thought I was going to have to defend myself against another man. And, yeah, it was a close call. Like, like, and, and, and to give context to everybody listening, it, it appeared that he was upset with me and he looked very intense. And this guy looked like he was coming, <clears throat> excuse me, he looked like he was coming right at me. So then I, I went into self-defense mode and preparing myself for the worst and preparing myself to stop, well, to put it nicely, to make this guy uninterested and ever putting his hands on me. Uh -huh. But that was just a, it was poor perception on my part because that's, that wasn't the case. And he was just looking for his lady friend who was maybe 50 feet behind me. He was just had this intense look on his face and he was just looking for this woman. So if that moment left me, I mean, it was really a, I guess you can call it a tipping point or a watershed moment of like, hey, you, you know something has gone on in your background but this is a defining moment where you really have to explore what has happened. And so what I did from there is I just journaled like crazy for like two to three months. And before you know it, I had this 90,000 word document. And I left from that thinking, number one, the common thread in my background is I have violent trauma that's not totally addressed. And I also need to do something with this because if this is happening to me i can only imagine the other many segments of people whether they're military ex-athlete uh people in war-torn countries you know like i i have to put this in story form to encourage people of the benefits of exploring their violent trauma and to uh seek the help that the appropriate help that they need you know however that looks so that's really the backstory of why I did the book. Wow. Now, you know, reading the bio, which I put down somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> let's just tell everyone. <laughs> I'm getting new carpet, so I had to move from my studio to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So <laughs> we improvise and it works. There it is. So, yeah. So anyway, um... It also says you had domestic violence, um, violent parents, or violent family. Right, right. And there's a backstory to that. And, and you know, one thing that was, you know, I've, I've had individual therapy over a few times, like three or four times. And uh, I had a great therapist once, a gentleman named uh, Robert Boutel. And, and he and I were talking about something with 
with when you're talking about romantic relationships and he 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 basically said you know when you're in a relationship with somebody you're not just looking at the dynamics between you and your partner you're really lumping in the dynamics of their family background and your family background so all of these elements matter and they, they need to be accounted for so with my parents man like I, I know a lot more about my mother than my father, even though, you know, he lived with us. But with my mother, I do know that she grew up in an abusive environment uh, in, rural, in rural Louisiana. She experienced domestic abuse at home. She endured, you know, attempted kidnapping and uh, rape and, and, and all other source of violence and unfortunately what she brought her trauma into the relationship with my father and what that looked like for me as a kid is is heated arguments and fist fights and gunplay and throwing of objects uh you know furniture getting wrecked so you know like if I mean, it was, it was it was like watching the worst reality show ever, but your parents happen to be the main characters in it. But mm -hmm. but like but like the point that's really crucial is like again, you have yet two more people who are traumatized from their backgrounds, but don't really have the tools to to you know implement some level of conflict resolution where the kids can have that model to them so it was just you know sporadically one traumatic or one very intense moment after the other now um did she your mother break the cycle or did it continue well it continued uh, well you know l let me say to her credit my my both my parents we knew and i'm the youngest of four we knew we mm -hmm. were loved we were provided for, we had a, you know, to be in a low economic neighborhood, we always had a roof over our head. More than often than not, we had food, we had our necessities. But my mother, and she, we had a lot of conversations about that, like her intent was to not, for us to not have as hard of a life that she did. And we didn't, but that was still on the, like, if you look at the spectrum of violence, it was still, you know, violent at times and 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 even though it was a reduced level of violence and a reduced level of of trauma and anxiety it was still significant to where it impacted myself and all of my other siblings to where we developed other societal problems like you know like my brother battled drug addiction and you know i have uh, one of my sisters who in my opinion detached herself from her Afrocentricity. My other sister, she left home at a very early age. And what I'm happened sorry, to I'm her? sorry, could you, re could you repeat? I cut off for a minute when it said detached herself from. Oh, so I was, I was basically saying the consequence of us being in that violent environment meant that we would develop some societal, you know, we would develop some interpersonal problems. Like my brother, uh, he developed, you know, drug addiction and other mm -hmm. issues. Um, I had another sister who, in my opinion, d detached from her Afrocentricity, meaning she didn't really identify with being Black but because maybe she thought, Black people are hurting me, so let me find something else where I feel safe. I had another sister, the oldest one, who she left our situation, but only to move across the country and find herself in an abusive marriage. So like there, there was, that, that was like the fallout 
from us being born or actually being raised in sometimes a violent house and in a violent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Wow. And your sister, um, is she still in that relationship? I hope not. No, she's not. She She's remarried since. And, and, and with that, a lot of that, she didn't really feel too comfortable with sharing with us. And like, I didn't find out a lot of the problems she had with her first husband until, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you know, well into adulthood. So, you know, like, I mean, the guy she's married to now is a, a gentle man. Like, uh, you know, we all like the guy a lot. And, and maybe I should throw in, like, with me, it was it was this, you know, I mean, I can go into later. It was just exhausting anxiety from, from wondering, wondering, uh, I guess, being on edge and one, wondering when the next explosive moment would present itself, if that's making sense. It does. Now, was this your father who would do this, your mother? Or... <sighs> well, it, it, feels, it feels like my mother initiated a lot of it, to be, tr- to be honest. And then years later, she would talk about it a little more with me and she would give me her perspective of how these flare-ups would start and she would say well your father was drinking and you know he would pick a fight with me or or you know i thought your father was cheating on me and 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 that that would spark a uh uh, either a verbal fight or a fist fight but 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 as a kid it always appeared that she was the person inciting it and i don't want to say 100 percent that that's that's true but you know i do factor in you know i know how guys can be i know how men are especially when alcohol is involved and other mm-hmm. women so but but she does explain that sometimes you know like my father was confrontational with her and abusive and heavy-handed with her so yeah i'm not really sure who like who gets a lion's share of the blame with that. Yeah, some of the things I have found is uh, like one party will be, will instigate, but will be very, oh God, how do I explain it? Just very covert about it. And then mm. try to gaslight the other parties like, well, you know, I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely some of that. I mean, you know, again, this is a time before, <laughs> I think before the term gaslighting came out, uh, but it's like, yeah, like I, I definitely remember clearly some moments where where it's like my father didn't want any part of anything confrontational. She would push, you know, she would push the issue and, and like, no, you're going to talk to me or, or no, we're going to hash this out or 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 even in, instigate some of the uh, physicality. Like, I, I definitely remember that. But, you know, that that could all be lumped in with her maybe not feeling loved, maybe not being totally self-aware or or perhaps reacting to her own warped sense of reality based on what happened to her as a young girl and and some really horrible things happened to her but it's it but it's it just like me in that parking lot that one day it's like the guy is looking for his his significant other and and i am drawing a comparison with his body language with every other time somebody was angry at me in the inner city and I didn't know they were angry at me, but I knew I had to prepare myself for a fight. 
or or to run for my life or whatever so you know it, it could be a lot of those things all lumped in into one yeah true wow so has you've obviously grown up to be you know a decent human being and you said that how do i phrase this you know the parking lot incident so this trauma has affected you in your adult life too yeah absolutely you know have you ever thought about what life would be if there hadn't been domestic or other violence or abuse yeah the short answer is yeah i I come back to that every once in a while but i try not to harbor on it and and in fact and there's a section in the book i think when i was around in the 11th grade and i was i was good enough to go on traveling teams in high school and the first big trip we took was a trip to Canada. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And what was so great about it, we stayed, all of the team members, we stayed with different families. And we stayed with this family that immigrated from the islands. And it was just a clean neighborhood, you know, from what we saw, like a peaceful household. You know, there was no threat assessment walking in the streets. Like if a car had its lights out, it didn't mean somebody was going to do a drive-by shooting. And if somebody raised their voice, it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily something that was rooted in conflict. And I, I remember thinking at that moment as a 16-year-old young man, like, like, man, what if this could be my life? Like, yeah. what if I, what if I had, what if I could just focus on being a young man, focus on basketball and school? And, you know, and actually I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, wow, what, what would my life have been like? I mean, I'll never know, but I like to think that, you know, perhaps my life could have been, you know, even more successful and even more peaceful. And, and it's just like, who knows? Uh, but it's like, I try to be careful about that because that also means like, okay, well, that that could have opened you up to other things like getting hit by a bus or on some dreaded plane wreck or in the towers in, on 9-11 when, you know, the, when the planes flew into the, the Twin Towers. So like, I like to think life would have been better, but it's like, I really want to be careful about that alternate universe where things were a lot more peaceful. And it might not have made you the person you are now, too. Right, right. Great point. <laughs> Great point. Now, now um, I also saw, which I'm very excited about, um, you're developing an app, unless it's already out. No, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, it's still in development. So it's, it's, it's still in the early stages. And what that is, so a little background, like I've, I've worked in digital media for the last 20 years and, and probably in the last 10 years has been a heavy emphasis on, um, on mobile apps and desktop apps and just video content and whatnot. So when I finished writing the book, I, um, I thought to myself, like, I feel like I need to do more. So I created the NVIDIA Foundation, um, which is a nonprofit registered here in the state of California. And, and when it's all said and done, this will be a free app for anybody who owns a smartphone, for anybody who has internet connection, whether it's Android or iPhone, to, number one, identify whatever trauma or crisis they're dealing with in a given moment, like help mm-hmm. them identify that. And then number two, to help them find the appropriate level of help based on their geographic location. So if, if we're talking someone who 
is is at a disruptive moment and they need shelter, they can find the nearest shelter. If there's somebody who needs uh, some psychiatric or some mental health counseling, bam, punch in, you know, follow the app and then find, you know, your nearest or or, or, may, or perhaps a group of uh, mental health providers. So it's, it's probably at this stage, I mean, with the pandemic and everything, you know, I'm mm-hmm. still, you know, developing the experience and engaging developers and looking for partners who I can help or who will help me weigh in and build in the best experience possible for people. But yeah, that's that's the uh, vision for it. So I'm thinking maybe sometime uh, 2023, if everything goes well, this app will be fully developed. It'll be free to the public and they just they can just download it and, and keep it on their phone or refer it to a friend. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, and it takes a while to develop apps anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been a part of that for a few different projects at work. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you you work in digital me- media? Yes. Can't talk. <laughs> yeah, I work in digital media. Worked, but I've been a part of the development and and the refinement of oh, I want to say at least four different apps. And I've worked in the studio system at Fox and Warner Brothers and Sony, like some of the biggest studios in the world. So you know, fortunately, I mean, I've I've, got, I've made some good contacts and have had like a lot of great experience. Great. Thank you. So. How can we find you? How can we find your book? And uh, how could we stalk you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, I want to be stalked. Yeah, please do. So first off, the book, if you're looking, if anyone's looking for the paperback ebook or audiobook, you can go to Amazon and just search There Was Violence, three words, or you can search my name, Imani Khalid, K-A-L. IID. You can also find it on, you can find the ebook on Google Books and you can find the audiobook on Apple's uh, audio platform. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And I got to say, obviously, the world doesn't know me like Stephen King or Malcolm Gladwell, but people have been finishing this book in a day and a half, two days. Wow. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And and everybody is using the same language and describing it of how engaged they are and how hard it is to put it down. So that's that's the book. You can also log on to the book social media, just search in Twitter or Instagram with, and put in there was violence. And then you can and please do follow my podcast, which is called Misconnected with Imani, M-I-S-C-O-N-N. E-C-T-E-D, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm on all the major platforms, Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, and what have you. Same as me, yeah, which is good. And, oh, here's something I really wanted to get into. Sure. Let's say me, Mm -hmm. but not really me, Um, (laughs) or a person, let's put it that way, let's say a person, male or female, or even a child finds himself in a violent situation or sees domestic violence happening or may become a victim, what would you suggest they do? You know, I think there's... I know. <laughs> there, you know, people, it's, it's a bigger problem than people may realize. And, 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 and one of my problems was, is like, I felt so insulated, like, oh, this is just happening to me. Like, no, it's happening to a lot of people. Let me just say that. Mm-hmm. But, but if you do, if, you, if anyone suspects that this is happening or has happened to you, trust your gut. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, don't blame yourself because sometimes violence will find you, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I mean, and ask any young kid who lives in a war-torn country or, or who, who, who comes from wealth but yet have abusive parents. So it's not your fault. But the most important thing I would say is if, if you're an adult, 
like maybe journal about it, talk to somebody you trust about it, talk, talk to your, you know, if you have a mental health professional in your life or a doctor, talk to your doctor, talk to someone you trust and, and particularly someone who is, I don't want to say an authority, but, but like an authority figure, like, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, someone in human resources, you know, a close friend, your doctor or, or yeah, like and if you have access to healthcare and you can, t- or, or you can just maybe Google free mental health services. Like you, you should follow that thread or follow that bread, follow that bread trail is a better way of putting it because there's yeah. probably something there and, and you're thinking about it for a reason. So, you know, and you may find that it's a bigger issue than you think, or you may find that, you know, maybe it was just, a couple of one-off moments that you unfortunately went through. But but the biggest thing I can say is don't second guess yourself. Follow your gut. Follow that mm-hmm. red trail. It may be uncomfortable, but I like to say you have to be comfortably uncomfortable and just just at your own pace, start following that trail. And whatever feels like the appropriate level of help, whether it's with your clergy or whomever, just do it because I can't stress enough how better my life is with coming to terms of my violent trauma than to let it go, than to let it go um, untreated or, or unreconciled, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, one of the things I have noticed, I work in um, family law, mm-hmm. and since people have been basically locked down, mm-hmm. There's a lot of domestic violence, a lot of, um, you know, we've handled a lot of the DVROs, the domestic violence restraining orders. Uh. And it's, we've always gotten the other person out of the house. Wow. And I don't know if you've noticed since quarantine happened, there's been domestic violence. There's been, um, on the upside, there's been quarantine babies. But on the downside, there's been just a lot of domestic violence. <sighs> you know, as grim as this may sound, I'm not surprised. Like I, like I knew divorce, it, it, there's been some spillover with divorces, mm-hmm. but having said that, like I'm not surprised at all how such a once in a generation or once in a lifetime moment like the pandemic can accelerate and expose any flaws or weaknesses we have in our interpersonal relationships. I'm not surprised at all. It's just an, un- an unfortunate consequence. And that's really what upsets me on a side note with how cavalier some of these politicians are with stoking fear and violence, you know, with the elections and I mean, not to get all political, but like with being cavalier about guns and and and, and just people hurting each other. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm sure there's some stark or some grim statistics to support what you're seeing. And, and it's oh, just, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I could t- Yeah, I could tell you stories, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're being uh, responsible with the information that you have. Yeah. Oh, no, it's attorney-client privilege. And, right. Yeah. But um, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, we'll do another one because I want to know more about the, I still can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more about, you know, what's going on with the app. And, you know, I'm going to go on Amazon and get the book because I have a bazillion Amazon cards now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because I want to read it. And um, again, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And and good luck in all your endeavors, your podcasts, and, uh, 
And I guess most of all, be safe as, as be as safe as you can. You too. And I can't wait to hear your podcast too. Thank you very much. Okay. So you have a wonderful night and we'll talk soon. Okay, Michelle, you be well. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.